Hello, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast, the podcast about faith and wellness, loving God and living well. I am your host, Dr. Shantae, and we are launching into another series, which actually this, ooh, this is definitely one of those be obedient and depart from your original script series, because this is not what I had scheduled, y'all. And yet uh, the spirit is speaking very loudly to me. And so I need to listen and obey because apparently somebody needs to hear this. So here we go. This series is about church hurt. And I have podcasted about this before, but from the perspective of kind of outlining some of the infractions that kind of turn people away from church. And I can actually link you to those episodes in Believing Bigger podcast. So I will put those in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to them. However, this time I'm taking a different approach. I am talking about this from the perspective of healing because that needs to happen, healing and recovery. And this is actually a very timely series because this is considered Holy Week. And in the run up to Holy Week is when we start to think about the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. And I will say that many of us have experienced a death of sorts uh, through church. We have experienced a death of hopes and joy and enthusiasm. And a lot of us who were going to church before the pandemic closed the doors we're kind of dialing it in, you know, going out of obligation. This is what we do. This is who we are, you know, just kind of going through the motions, but not having any real inclination or desire to want to actually be there. And so hopefully at the end of this series, some of your joy will be resurrected. In fact, Mark your calendars on April the 7th. I am actually doing a free webinar on church hurt recovery. Yes, April the 7th is a Wednesday at night, I believe. I think it's like 630 at night. I am doing a free webinar on church hurt recovery. And of course, I don't expect you to be recovered in one night. But after I sent my email out to my newsletter group, so for those of you who are on my email list, you've got this email talking about how I had left my church after 30 years. I got all these responses like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you wrote this because me too. And it just, the chorus was just so loud. And since that time, a lot of these ministers, pastors, Christian influencers, quote unquote, have just been the, the sheets have been snatched off as one of my followers calls it. Sneech, sheets have been snatched off and just so much has been exposed and it's just jaded a lot of people and people are feeling some kind of way. And whether we vocalize it or verbalize it or not, those things do begin to impact us spiritually. And so this series is called getting right when the church is wrong, getting right when the church is wrong. That is what our series is about for the next three episodes. And our guiding scripture comes from Matthew chapter 21 verses 12 through 15. And they read as follows. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. 
he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers and some versions say a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priest and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Mm, I was getting to the money. Everybody mad. Let me stop. Okay, so today we are talking about our hope is built, the exchange and the caution. So let's get right into it. What is the purpose of church? Do you know? Do you know why you go? <laughs> what is the purpose of church? That just seems like a fundamental question that everybody should know. You know, people are like, you ought to go to church. You need to go to church. You need to get in church. You ought to be in church. Why? For what purpose does the church exist? Well, there's an answer for that. And you can find that answer in the book of Acts chapter two, verse 42. And it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So according to this verse, the purpose or the activities of church should be teaching the Bible or biblical doctrine, providing a place of fellowship for believers, observing the Lord's Supper. So remembering what Christ did for us on the cross and prayer. That is the purpose of church. That is what should be happening in church. Church is where we learn about Jesus, where we learn who God is and what he's done and his love and his character and his guideposts for living this thing called life. Church is where we can fellowship with people who believe in the same Jesus and build bonds of brotherhood and sisterhood united in Christ. Church is where we can remember what Jesus did for us on the cross and break bread to remember his broken body for our sins. Church is where we can pray with other believers and leave our cares at the altar. That is what church is about. That is what church ought to do. And of course, there's the outreach piece because Jesus said he gave the great commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. So it's not just that these things should be happening only in church, but the, these are the functions of church. And we should also be going outside of the church to minister to the least, the lost and the left out. And I want you to grasp the importance of this, okay, of these activities, these four core activities, because the early churches, not church as we know it today, I'm talking about the early churches, the churches in the book of Acts, okay, were under heavy, heavy persecution from the Romans. They were often scapegoated for any wrongdoing in the city. So like if somebody started a fire, oh, the Christians did it, kill them. You know, uh, they were used as political pawns between the Jews and the Romans, their beliefs. So what we believe about Christ today was considered superstitious and they were martyred by the thousands. OK, in those days, people knew that to identify as a Christian, you were putting a target on your back. You were marked for death. Many of them expected death and considered it an honor to die for the cause of Christ. So you can imagine under those conditions to be able to find a body of believers, a group of support 
people who were willing to take the same risk in a place where you could learn and worship and commiserate about your circumstances and experience the peace of God and the peace of prayer and share in the remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice, realizing that what you're holding on to and what you believe in is not for nothing. Church, in that sense, was a real gift to early Christians. And don't get me wrong, it was not without its problems. Like if you spend some time reading first and second Corinthians, Corinth was like the Vegas, you know, of the Bible. Paul wore his little pencil down to the nub, writing letters to those folks talking about y'all need to get it together. Okay, so it, it wasn't without its problems. But if you fast forward to today, and especially in the West, in the States, in the United States of America, your Christian beliefs may not make you popular, but by no means are we in fear of our lives like the early Christians. And yet I do believe with unapologetic conviction that if Jesus were here today, alive in the flesh, he would still be turning some tables over. If Paul were alive today, he would be taking some leaders to task over some of the behavior and the culture that has taken root at so many of our churches. The core activities of the church, study, fellowship, remembering Christ's sacrifice and prayer have taken a back seat in many churches to scandal, idolatry, celebrity, prosperity, misogyny, abuse, toxic masculinity, gossip, and the promotion of self over the promotion of God and the gospel. Which brings us to the exchange. In the book of Romans, the first chapter, so this is Paul writing in verses 21 through 25, he says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies amongst themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. I'm going to read that last part again. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature, the pastor, the bishop, the deacon, the choir, rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So Paul was talking about a group of people, would believers who knew God at one point, but for reasons unknown, decided to walk away from the truth, choosing instead to worship and serve the creature more than the creator. I cannot tell you how many people build their hopes, their devotion will go to church because of a preacher, because of a man, because they become his followers, not followers of Christ, followers of the man who hopefully is following Christ. But that in and of itself is so 
dangerous. I literally could do a whole podcast series on that alone, but there is a, an unhealthy reliance, an overdependence, an over saturation of devotion to the person in the pulpit rather than God. And that's dangerous. They have, there's an exchange that has been made because made, because when the preacher leaves, oh, well now I'm going out the door. I'm following him where he going. Cause that's where I want to be. And don't get me wrong. It's cool to have your crew. It's cool to have people who support you. I mean, that, that is cool. That is, that's what's up. But when that becomes one of the main thrust for why you go where you go, that is problematic. So Paul is talking about people who did this, who do this, um, who walk away from the truth about God, choosing instead to worship and serve the creature more than the creator. In short, they made an exchange. And this type of spiritual transaction that Paul is describing begins with the ex with exchanging the truth of God for something else. Okay. People come to the church for all kinds of reasons. And in the beginning, usually their hearts and motives may be as pure as the driven snow. Now, not always, you know, some people come to hear the choir sing. Some people come because the men look nice or the women look nice. or you know, they serve a meal afterwards. I mean, so it's not always, you know, pure motives and intentions, but many people do come with pure motives and, and pure intentions. But over time, sometimes something happens to that. Sometimes the something is a distraction, something that draws their focus away from God. Sometimes the something is the ego. You know, Dr. Charlie Dates has cautioned that the church, the black church, is not a place for a black man to have his dignity affirmed. In other words, the black man out there getting beat up in the world, can't catch a break, can't catch no justice, but then will step into the doors of the church with a suit and get a handshake and a badge and a, a title and a position. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. This is how a man ought to be treated. This is how a black man ought to be treated. The church might, I mean, that's great, good for you, but that's not what the church is for. I said, what did the church I say was for? For the teaching of the gospel, for the fellowship of believers, for remembering the Lord's Supper and for prayer. It's not for you to get a suit, a badge, a handshake and a hey brother. Okay, like it, it, it's not for that, okay? Sometimes that's something is the laziness on the part of the believer where there is an over-reliance, as I said, on the pulpit and the preacher instead of the God that created him. And let me tell you why this part is so critical. So I said it was dangerous earlier, but let me explain to you why it's dangerous. Because I don't care what church you go to. I don't care who the preacher, the bishop, the pastor, the priest, the father is. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved. In other words, and in the last series, Paul writes, in my absence, more so in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, no matter what church you go to, no matter who's in charge of it, 
It will never substitute what God requires of every single believer. And that is to do your own due diligence and study that book for yourself. Because when you don't, when you just rely on the preacher or you just rely on the teacher, you can easily be led astray. You can easily be run amok. You can easily become manipulated if people have certain agendas and distort the truth of God for something else. The Bible, let me remind the audience, was used to justify slavery, slavery, slavery. Okay. So you need to study to show yourself approved. You cannot put all your eggs in the preacher basket and think you've checked that box. You have not done that. You have not done that. And if you are doing it, I just want to let you know you are making an exchange for the truth of God for something else. Okay. Sometimes the exchange is the comfort and the familiarity of routine where members start to come out of duty and obligation rather than out of a sincere desire to learn and study and grow. Sometimes the exchange is embracing religion over relationship, policing one another's attire and where you can sit and who can preach and who can't preach. And whatever the something is, when the church at any level starts to exchange the truth of God for their own agendas, their own lust, their own pursuits, people are going to get hurt. I'm going to repeat that. Whenever the church at any level starts to exchange the truth of God for their own agenda, their own lust, their own pursuits, people are going to get hurt. Jesus turned over tables in the temple because he recognized that an exchange had taken place. What should have been a safe and sacred place for people to worship and pray had become a profit center for the powerful at the expense of the poor. And this, that act of coming in there. So they had exchanged the truth of God for, for profit and power. And when truth came back into the temple, that is Jesus, the truth and the life. Okay. That was actually one of the straws that broke the camel's back. So as we talk about Palm Sunday and, and resurrection and how he wound up on that cross, this was one of the last acts that Jesus had carried out before that whole trial and ordeal. This was one of the straws that had broken the camel's back. Jesus was already despised amongst the church folks. But when he came in there and disrupted the flow of that money, oh baby, that was a bridge too far. He had gone too far. Verse 14 and 15 says, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant when the truth of God in the person of Jesus came to church to serve the needs of the sick and the sinner. The church folks was mad. I mean, big mad. And I submit to you today that if the truth came into many of our churches, and turned over those tables, the same type of folks would be mad today. Richard Rohr, 
who was a Franciscan priest, and now he has written many books about the Christian faith. In his book, Falling Upward, he writes, Christians are usually sincere and well-intentioned people until you get to any real issues of ego, control, power, money, pleasure, and security. Then they tend to be pretty much like everybody else. He continues, We often give a bogus version of the gospel, some fast food religion without any deep transformation of the self. And the result has been the spiritual disaster of, quote, Christian countries that tend to be as consumer oriented, proud, warlike, racist, class conscious and addictive as everybody else. And often more so, I'm afraid, end quote. So this quote brings us to the caution. If you have experienced church hurt of any kind, I would be willing to bet that you can trace the source to a matter of ego, control, power, money, pleasure, or security. There is something about those particular dynamics that tend to bring out our real selves. When someone's ego is offended, when their power is threatened, when their money is at risk, or their comfort and security is in jeopardy and about to be upended, that churchy facade will dissolve like cotton candy. I have experienced and witnessed this firsthand at my previous church. So while serving as a member of the search committee for a new pastor at the church, a change in leadership meant that all of those things would be subject to change. And that is when I saw some true colors, people that I had known and trusted and respected for decades suddenly became unrecognizable. They had made an exchange. And this is where I want to caution you. So this is why I want to end this part of the series with a caution. Healing cannot happen without recognition. This is straight out of the Bible. This is straight out of the book. Okay. Even right now in our Congress, members on the right in the GOP, they want to move forward from the insurrection that happened on January 6th. They saying, you know, let's not keep bringing that up. You know, we need to move on and we need to heal as a nation. Meanwhile, the Democrats are arguing that there can be no healing without accountability for what happened. And a lot of times we are just like the GOP. We like to move straight to talking about healing and, and restoration and recovery without the recognition, the public recognition of wrongdoing. The Bible says if we confess, meaning you have to acknowledge that something wrong has occurred, okay? You have to acknowledge that. If we confess our sin, okay, then, okay, he's faithful and, and, and to, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and all that good stuff. But it's, it's an if-then clause. If you do this, then he'll do that. But you have to do the if, okay? But more often than not, the church especially likes to gloss over that part. We don't want to look bad. People already think we hypocrites. So they like to gloss over that part and sweep it under the rug and let bygones be bygones. And this is dangerous. This is dangerous because what you do not recognize, you are in danger of repeating. 
what you do not recognize, what you do not call out and name, you are in danger of repeating. You become complicit in a culture of gaslighting. And gaslighting is where we downplay the significance of our role in perpetuating a toxic culture. You know what gaslighting is? Let me take you back to like second grade, third grade. Gaslighting is you're sitting at your desk, um, young ladies, and some little boy pulls your hair and then you turn around and he's acting all innocent. Like what? Why you do that? What? That little boy, he's gaslighting that little girl. He's gaslighting you pretending like, huh? What, what are you talking about? Nothing to see here, folks. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. When you don't call out wrongdoing in the church and Paul actually talks about this in first and second Corinthians, if you want to go and read that, but you become complicit in that culture of gaslighting where you downplay the significance of, of our role in perpetuating this toxic culture where we try to explain away the reasons why we looked the other way or didn't speak truth to power or didn't come forward in public, but gossiped about it in private. So what I will say to you as I wrap up this, this episode is that getting right when the church is wrong starts in the last place that we want to look, which is at ourselves insert the crickets. I, yeah, I said it. Let me be real clear though. This is not, this is not me blaming the victim. I don't do that. I don't play that game, especially if you have been abused in any way. I am not saying that at all. What I am saying is that outside of abuse, there are moments where we need to take a look at ourselves and see if part of what is making the church toxic is our participation in the culture. I reached a point where I had to stop talking about what was happening at the church and ask myself, why was I still a member? <laughs> why was I giving money to an institution, an organization that perpetuated clear harm against its members? Why was I comfortable being affiliated with an organization whose actions were so unapologetically contrary to what God expects from his church. Where had I made concessions? Where had I made an exchange? And what was it doing to me spiritually? Where had it left me emotionally? It got to the point where the second the benediction was over, I was beelining for the parking lot because I didn't want to talk to nobody and my contempt, okay, my growing contempt and disdain for the leadership had grown to the point where instead of leaving church feeling like I had experienced God and worshiped, it felt like I had clocked out of a hard shift, okay, like I had done time. And that's when I had to seriously ask if I could be effective in my calling, which is this work that I'm doing right here, right now with you, if I could be effective in doing this and and in my platform and be in this toxic spiritual relationship with my church? And the answer was no, I'm not, I'm not built for that. Now, before I found therapy, I would compartmentalize like a mofo, you know, see the fire burning and keep on trucking. But those days are over. Now, that said, I am not advocating for anybody to leave their churches if that's where you feel that God has planted you. And yet... I do want you to be very clear on your real motives for staying 
and if it's costing you spiritually, if you are making exchanges that you have not fully acknowledged for the sake of keeping the peace or staying with friends or family or for familiarity because you don't want to start over. You know, it's like how you stay in these bad relationships because you don't want to start over with somebody new. Staying in a bad relationship because it's the devil you know is still hell, okay? So on the next episode, we will dig into the specifics of church hurt and ways to remedy and recover. And as I said at the beginning, do not forget to sign up for the church hurt recovery webinar that I'm offering for free. If you want to do that, you can go to readytobelieve.com. It is right there on the front page, readytobelieve.com. Scroll down and you will see the link to sign up for the webinar on April the 7th. And I will see you guys next time. If you have any questions, comments, takeaways, hit me up at Dr. Shante Says. And if you have yet to review or rate this podcast and you're an Apple podcast listener, please do that. I think at last look, there was something like 79 reviews. You can be number 80. You could push us over the hump. So if you have time, please go and do that. And more than anything, if you feel like this episode can help bless somebody, please do share it because that is how the word really gets around. I love you and I'll see you next time.